Good afternoon, short-term shoppers. You are now in the short-term show special episode series on the Western North Carolina mountains. So this is everywhere from Asheville all the way down to Bryson City, basically that entire southwestern corner of the state. We're going to be doing a deep dive, 10 episodes worth of content on investing in this part of North Carolina. Now, we do have some supplemental materials for you over on our website, things like purchase prices of investment properties in this market, as well as the AirDNA income data. Thank you, friends over at AirDNA. So if you guys want to know uh, what all of these properties cost, you know, the different purchase prices, you can see that on the shorttermshop.com, as well as the income data. You can find that there too. If you guys want to buy an investment property in Western North Carolina with a short-term shop agent, email us at agents at the shorttermshop.com and we will get you hooked up. Or if you just have more questions, you want to come hang out with us some more. We've got a great Facebook group with a wonderful community of investors over at short-term rental, long-term wealth, same title as my book. And if you guys want to chat with us live anytime, we've got a call every Thursday and you can join that at strquestions.com. We look forward to seeing you over there. Hey guys, welcome back to the next episode in the short-term shop special episode series of the Western North Carolina mountains. Got some familiar faces here. Jay, the short-term shop agent in that market and Brad who owns in more short-term shop markets than any other person. Um, so how's it going today, guys? Very good, Avery. Awesome. So today we are talking about common expenses. So in another episode, we've talked about uh, analysis and uh, figuring out what the income of a property will be. So today we're focusing on what our expenses are going to be. This isn't too crazy of a market in terms of of weird expenses that are going to jump up and bite you, but we are going to go over all of them. So let's get started. So I'll start with the, the first expense that I always think of. I think the most important expense is probably going to be your electric because uh, a lot of times it can run your fireplace. I'll, I mean, you can't run without electric. So um, I know in some markets, especially with cabin style properties, these aren't typically energy efficient places. So it's not a super low electricity area, I would imagine. But what do you guys say? Yeah, electricity is very important. <laughs> um, they do run a lot of the side stuff, but uh, up here, mostly the side stuff is like propane ran. But, uh, you know, the average uh, electric bill up here as far in my area, at least is about 120 a month. Um, and that just depends on what you use. I mean, if you're using a short term rental, it's probably going to be less than somebody that uses it full time. Um, the electric companies up here that I work with that we have to work with are, um, Duke energy and, uh, Haywood EMC. And they're very, if you really want to know what the average monthly is on a, a property that you're looking at, you can call them up and they are more than happy to give you that monthly bill, like what the monthly average is. Um, um, I'm sure it looks pretty similar out in, uh, Murphy too, huh, Brad? Yeah, it's maybe just slightly higher. I have a fairly small cabin and it's newer construction, so that probably helps. But I keep my hot tub on all the time, whether I have a guest there or not. You know, I keep it at 104, and um, I, you know, that I don't try to necessarily conserve electricity. So um, I'm typically in the high 100s every month. You know, 160 to 190. Typically, I, it may have been 200 once, maybe in the summertime when it's super hot, but. Um, it's typically in the high 100s. So, you know, from a, I guess a kilowatt or however they uh, measure that it's, 
it's fairly inexpensive relative to other markets, just like the rest of the Southeast. Yeah. And we're fortunate up here that like, if you don't have an AC, it's not really going to kill you because it doesn't usually get above 85 here in the in yeah. the summertime, except for last year. That was a little, that was a fluke, but uh, yeah. Usually you don't need that. Yeah. Okay. So electric, pretty straightforward. It's usually pretty straightforward in all the markets. So let's talk about water and sewer. So I would imagine it's going to be a mix of places on city or county water and sewer, and then places that are on wells and septics. Jay, what in your experience, if you're like out, we're not talking about Asheville proper, which would be, you know, inside yeah, the major water. city limits. Um but would you say that the majority of properties are on wells and septics and that the inside city limits is a lower percentage? Yeah, and it's it's kind of shocking, but about 70% of places in this market are on well and septic. Um, so unless you're, you know, like you said, in, in the major city or whatnot, um, they also have the luxury of getting like trash pickup too. So <laughs> you don't get that out here in the, in the rural areas either. But, um, you know, more times than not, when you look at a property, it's going to be well and septic. I actually did a search for somebody the other day. Like they, they didn't want anything on septic and came up with like four properties that didn't have well and septic. So yeah, that, it's very common up here. Same in Murphy. It's uh, I, I don't know the percentages, but it, it everyone around me, we, we actually have a, a shared well, which is an interesting concept, but um, we have five cabins that all share the same well. And there's one pump for that. And, you basically have easements that you have access to that well. And then we share the electric cost, which is not expensive. It's um, we actually do that on a semi-annual basis. It's around 20 bucks a month to run the well. And um, then you of course have the install cost of the well built into your cost of construction, but then you don't have a water. I don't have a water bill every month. So um, except for that electricity. So it's, you know, if you average it out over a, a longer period of time, I would say it probably averages out to the about the same as what it would be if I was on, a sewer or city water. Yeah. And that's actually very common up here too, Brad. Um, there's, yeah. there's, you know, a lot of places that, you know, were built a long time ago that they, when they built them, they put them on a uh, shared well. And, um, you know, that's a whole other bag of cats when you're selling or buying a house, <laughs> yeah. like trying to find that easement and everything and making sure everything's kosher. But usually there's one person that handles it and you pay a due like you would a road maintenance agreement. So, yeah, it's on one of the cabins lots and we just pay it to that lady and the agreement is signed at closing mm -hmm. and it's been fine. I haven't had any issues at all with that. The only downfall for a well is if you lose power, you lose water too. So, Correct. Unless you have a generator. So that's correct. Yeah. And I've got some properties on shared wells too. And a lot of investors get really worried about that, but I've never had a problem. And it it really is. Well, I do have a problem. I have an ongoing problem that is just not a problem to me because I don't care. Uh, so here's something that you can run into with a shared well. Uh Typically, there's two to five cabins on a shared well. And if something goes wrong with it, everyone's sharing in the cost of fixing it, everyone's sharing in the cost of the electric for it too. So the pump is actually on my property and uh, we have a separate meter for that. So we know what to bill everyone. And there's three people on ours. One guy is awesome about just sending every month. We don't have to worry about it. You, sometimes it's every month, sometimes it's every year. It just depends on what your shared well, there should be a shared well agreement. It should not be a handshake. Uh, the other guy who's next door to me, he lives there full time. 
Uh, he is a, I don't really know a word to use for him other than, um, he's an interesting character that is not often employed if ever. And he refuses to pay for water. And the guy who owned the cabin before me said he cut his water off one time. Like he went to the trouble of turning off the valve and the guy actually came over and broke into his crawl space and, uh, turned his water back on. So I don't really care. I'd rather stay on good terms with the next door neighbor and he can do his thing. I'll do my thing. We're not going to get in each other's business. Kind of sucks that you're not paying your water bill, but it's not really enough for me to have to worry about. And I don't want to get sideways with him. So hopefully he doesn't listen to this podcast. I doubt he will. But anyway, <laughs> so that's the kind of thing that it can happen. If I wanted to to run that down, I could, but it's just not enough money to want to deal with it. So, you know, he's happy. I'm happy. He's got free water. So, but yeah. um, yeah, I think that's the worst that can happen. And it's not that bad. Avery, something <laughs> popped into my head that um, is an abnormal, I would call it abnormal that you're not used to if you are on um, city water is that you have a water filter at the cabin. Um, and I, I learned that the hard way one time with a guest that they had brown water coming out of their, you know, the first cabin that I owned, I didn't realize it had a water filter. So, um, I learned that the hard way with one guest, but I obviously haven't forgotten it since, but it needs to be on a routine maintenance, typically every four to six months. I have mine on every six months and that's more than frequent enough, but, um, it's a minimal cost in that regard, but it's more the the pain of just having to remember it or have your cleaner remember it or your handyman or whoever to remember it. It needs to be a scheduled thing, just like your air filters and anything else you would change on an ongoing basis, batteries and all that. We try to put all that on the same, you know, it's like every other rotation um, that you have to do the water filter. So it's not as frequent, but you still have to remember it. Otherwise, you'll about eight or nine months in, if you forget, you'll be reminded because your guests will have brown water coming out of their shower. So and, it's just one of the more things to remember, but it's like 30 bucks, I think, or 25 bucks. You can buy them on Amazon. It's easy. We buy six at a time, put them in the owner's closet, and it's not a big deal. Yeah. And and Brad, I, right before you said that, I was fixing this. I recommend, you know, if you're on a shared well like that, the, the, the well itself will have a filter usually, but I would always recommend putting a filter on your end by the where you uh, where it comes into your house, because you don't have any idea how old that filter system is on there. And you want right. nice, clean water without Giardia going into these places. Yeah. It's usually by the hot water heater in the mechanical closet somewhere mounted on a wall. It's very small clear plastic yeah, water just change it every so often just change it don't let that water get brown yeah and that's usually like a filter thing so a lot of times people are like oh my god my well's broken uh because either the the water's brown or the water pressure is low and a lot of times the water pressure is low because the filter's dirty and you just need to change it so it's not going to be some big huge expense it's going to be 50 bucks no big deal uh some wells are filters some wells are salt filters so uh, the cartridge filters, you just get one and change it out. Your handyman will do that. Uh, well, uh, well filters, uh, salt filters, you actually pour salt down there. So, you know, either way, it's maybe 50 bucks a month, if that, like it won't be every month. So you don't need to budget that much, but just, you know, something to think about with wells. Yeah. Um, kind of kind of segue and off of that too with septics you're going to have to have them pumped every so often it's like every three to four years you'll want to have it pumped um, i don't have any exact figures on that right now but that is a, an expense that you will uh, look at for if i you're just had mine done it was it was about 1800 bucks so there you, you know, go average that oh, out over, um yeah it, it was a, it's a fairly big tank so it was um 
it had been like four and a half years. So uh, that's how many months? That's uh, 50 ish months. So 30, 30 bucks a yeah, month. It was probably months. pretty full. And yeah. um, it, it also depends on location too. I think, you know, getting those trucks up to in, in like a really high area, they, they might charge a little more for that. Yeah. And the location them. of the tank too. If it's easy for mm-hmm. them to just open it up and drop it in, it's going to be cheaper than if they have to dig it up. That means it's been used a lot. I'm or, fine cleaning it out. Or repel on the side <laughs> of a mountain. Have been there. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So that was the other thing that the next thing I was going to talk about too is septic. So there's really not a monthly maintenance charge for that. It's just making sure that you keep it pumped. I I do them once a year just to be super safe. Um, But yeah, every what's normal is like three ish years, but we do once a year. And you're probably going to pump it a whole lot less having it as a short-term rental opposed to having, you know, a dedicated family in there the whole time using the toilets, you know? So it's, there's going to be like, you know, uptime between toilet use in there. So it's not going to fill up as quick. All right. So I think that's enough on wells and septic. So let's talk about internet. I know there's probably some places in these areas that are not going to be serviced by your typical like AT&T, things like that. So what are we looking at for internet? Um, the, the big one up here in my area is if you're close to the lines is, is spectrum and, uh, you know, your basic internet package for internet, you know, is about 50 bucks. It, it could vary slightly depending on how, how fast you want your internet, or if you want to add other things onto it, but the basic internet service across the board for most ISPs are about 50 bucks. And um, we do have a local ISP up here that uh, was bought out by Zito media. And that kind of feeds the, you know, they do Maggie Valley and the Jonathan Creek area up here. Um, they are, they're kind of, they're hit or miss on like, cause their lines are weird. Like you could have internet, but your next door neighbor's not on the line. So they don't get it. So it, it was originally started as kind of like a local business that was bought out. Um, and you know, they're similar to, they're about 50 bucks and they're actually really good internet service. If you can get them, uh, I never had any problems with them when I lived over that way. Um, but your, your higher up cabins, you're going to have to find creative, creative solutions on internet. And, um, you know, that's where like the, the Verizon or the AT&T kind of internet comes into play or satellite internet. It's, you know, no, no internet is not as good as having internet. So you find a way to get it there. Yeah. On so, mine, it's, um, it, it's mostly satellite. I do have one that's on fiber. Naturally, if you can be on fiber, you would want that to happen if you can. Absolutely. Um, you know, if you, if you can search, if you start, if you're starting your search and you want to start by filtering out the ones that are on fiber and not on, I would definitely lean towards one that's on fiber. However, um, it's a little bit more expensive. Fiber, it is a little more expensive, but you have very little, if any interruptions, and it's typically significantly faster and unlimited. The big thing about satellite internet is that there's data caps on it typically. So um, if I try to offset that by providing TV service on the ones that have satellite internet, I typically opt to have DISH or um, some kind of TV service so they don't feel like they're uh, the guests don't have to stream everything, which will just burn through your data cap. So um, I, I typically lean towards the higher end of the spectrum, not just to say that you have it, but to act. Cause if I were at that cabin, I would want the fastest internet there too. So I try to think what the guests would want to think. And you're talking a difference of 20 to 40 bucks a month to go up to the higher speed internet. So it's probably worth it. Um, 
So it the usually as you're further out, um, as Jay said, it's going to be satellite. I have something called HughesNet at mine. HughesNet, yeah. Um, it's not great, but we also deflect that in our listing by saying, Hey, you're coming to the mountains service can, can be spotty and, um, don't expect to be streaming 17 devices and be on five zoom calls all at the same time. Like you probably can in your place in Atlanta or wherever you are. Um, so if you, I think if you set that expectation, kind of like you do with driveways and the other things, um, it helps deflect some of the, the negative feedback, but it, it's definitely best to have something over nothing for sure. Yeah. And that's absolutely correct. And, and, you know, honestly, when people come up here to visit, I mean, they're not going into the mountains to like game online or stream, you know, a lot of, a lot of times people just want to check their email or browse the internet at night. And, you know, that's all very basic, like usage. Um, I'm a tech guy, so I need like three terabytes down. Let's go. But <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's not, not a huge deal up here you know people are up here playing and not staying in their house usually i did not spring for the tv service at first and i got a lot of negative reviews from that um so i think that's one way to help offset it if you are willing to pay the 90 bucks a month for dish that that definitely helps um it, it's probably the best 90 bucks a month i spend because they, oh, yeah. they don't have to stream as much yeah if folks want to watch something at night you know or the game or something you know but yeah, uh, they'll find it on dish and they're not having to stream it on youtube which you know that that definitely helps offset the data usage for sure absolutely roku is very popular up here too all right and is starlink available up there yet um i don't not think so yet. not not for murphy i put in my request for murphy and it i haven't received it or gotten approved for it yet and that was seven months ago probably so um, I, I have heard that you can get an RV version of it and it will, you know, you, you can set up the RV version. That's an, even though you're not in an RV, you can still use the RV version. So I haven't, <clears throat> I haven't tried that, but if I start having issues with HughesNet, I will probably at least attempt it, see what it looks like. Yeah. yeah I need to get on the list for the RV version too. Cause we've got a, on ours, basically like a kind of cell phone hotspot version of something else, another brand. And uh, if you get in a big, this has nothing to do with what we're talking about, but if you get in a big campground, like a big KOA that has like 200 place, like 200 slots, then at, at nighttime, like you cannot stream anything because there's just too many people on there. And I need to be able to stream things because my kids start to lose their minds um, at nighttime. And, and they want to like and then you force do. around. Yeah. And then I lose it. Yeah. So oh, I admit that. <laughs> um, I'll keep uh, keep an eye on that, but I haven't heard anything about Starlink coming to my area. Um, you know, Brad's a little farther out there in Murphy, so if that would be actually better, because yeah, yeah, one of your really only options out there is HughesNet. So that's right. All right, good to know. So let's move on to something else. So cleaning fees, Brad. What do you pay in a cleaning fee? How many bedrooms is yours again? It's a two bedroom. It's 1200 square feet or so 1300 okay. square feet so i pay 130 bucks per cleaning okay so, um that we checked with several different cleaners and it it was it ranged from 110 to 150 so um okay. we're i'm one of those that just uh passes along the cleaning fee to the guest i don't i don't upcharge typically so um we just charge the guest 130 and it's i've never had any complaints ever at that market that's it's completely reasonable yeah gotcha. i was gonna baseline. yeah i was gonna say you know and over here it's it's about average about 150 per you know give or take in that area so what is included in the cleaning fee do the cleaners take the trash in this market or do you have to figure that out yourself you have to pay for a separate trash service and 
it's uh, 40-ish bucks a month. It's about five bucks per pickup. So they pick up twice a week. And one key thing that is in all these market in Blue Ridge and Murphy and Boone and all of them, um, it has to be bagged trash. So if it's not bagged, they will not pick it up because the cleaning company gets or the uh, trash company gets charged if a piece of trash flies out of their truck. So um, I've had a couple of times where guests would just like dump their uh, cup holders from their car into the trash can and they, the trash guys will literally drive by it and just say, mm, sorry. Um, so you have to coach your cleaner on we please look in the trash can before you leave. Keep some trash. But I'll keep some trash bags in the owner's closet. Will you just pick up the five Starbucks cups or whatever it is that's in the trash can and put them in there and make sure that it's bagged. Um, very rarely do I have a problem, but I had to learn the hard way on that too, on the front end. So um, everything else is in, included in that. Um, my In the 130, mine actually services the hot tub with that. If I supply the um, the chlorine or the, the little tablets. So I just have the local spa company, have they have my credit card on file and when the cleaner needs stuff, they go and buy it like six months at a time. Um, and they, they will fill it. They'll turn the water on to fill it while they're cleaning and it's not a big deal. So, um, that's included. Some markets are not that way, but it is included in Murphy. Yeah. And, um, yeah, that's the problem up here in the mountains too. We, we don't, there's a lot of places that don't have, you know, city pickup, um, but there's like, uh, trash receptacles conveniently located throughout the cities up here. Um, if you are close enough to one, you might be able to get your cleaner to just drop it off on their way out. Um, I know over on mine, over on Jonathan Creek, there's a drop off right there and it's not been a problem. So, um, but yeah, that's another expense. Good, good point, Brad. Uh, and you might have to have, pay somebody to do trash picking, but it's, it's not, it's not hardly expensive. So what, what else is included in that cleaning fee? Are your cleaners supplying your paper products or are you having to Amazon those? Um, I, I have chosen to supply my own because I wasn't happy with what they were supplying. They were willing to supply, but it was so minimal that it, it was just not a good experience um, for the guests. So I, I've actually chosen to supply that. So we, um, ship it in. Sometimes I take it because it's only an hour and a half from my house. So sometimes if I'm going to put eyeballs on the property, I will just take it. We do have them report to us once a month what the supplies are looking like. So um, we know if, you know, shampoo or whatever is um, running out. So we we have the little uh, try try uh, the three pack thing that has uh, shampoo, body wash, and body wash, conditioner. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we buy it at Costco or Sam's and just have them refill it to the top at every cleaning. Um, so we're, we're supplying that they supply or they bring their own cleaning supplies, like a vacuum and a mop and Clorox and whatever else. I don't have to supply that. Um, but any, anything for that, we do, uh, dish pods and, um, salt and pepper in the kitchen and think just minimal things um, that we we buy all that at either Costco or Sam's and just take it every four to five months and stock the owner's closet. And this is, is this is something that's negotiated up front to when you get with your, your cleaner. I mean, some of them will supply it. And if you're okay with what they supply, then, you know, costs may vary, but you know, sometimes you have to supply the stuff. Gotcha. And so Brad, if you're paying 130, was it more when they were supplying or has the price stayed the same? Okay. Yeah. They, we started at, well, they gave us the option of 150 and them supply everything or 130 and us supply it. And I chose to, the math works out about the same, but the quality of the products is significantly different. So 
gotcha. um, I, I want there to be some consistency. And I, I just try to think of how the guests would think. Like if I was going to stay in there, I don't want a little cardboard bar of soap to be provided to me. You know, like it's pointless. Like why don't, why do you even, I'd rather just not be there than to supply it and say we supply it. So um, I, I don't, I don't have to be, you know, in, in a spa environment, but you at least <laughs> want to be, you at least want it to be usable and something that is reasonable. Um, so yeah. it just makes sense to me to have that and be, and it's not a pain. I mean, it's not, it's not difficult to supply that. It's pretty easy. My cleaner actually has a no bar soap rule for, for <laughs> her, uh, for her owners who are, uh, supplying their own. She was like, yep. She told us at the beginning, I do not want to have to clean up bars of soap that have been up people's butts, is what she said. And I have to say I agree. So that's why we do do that inside the shower. We do the body wash, shampoo, and conditioner inside the shower, and it's easy. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the mountains, there's, you know, up here especially, we're very crafty and, you know, like artsy and stuff. So you, you can find some people that make these things and that kind of can put a flare on your cabin and stuff, you know, like mountain laurel soap or something, you know, and you can get those pretty inexpensive. All right. So gone through cleaning, gone through hot tubs. So hot tubs included in the cleaning. That's cool because nobody wants to have to find an extra vendor to do that. Let's talk about pest control. So there are probably a few specific types of pests, I would guess, carpenter bees uh, that you kind of have yes. to treat against. So what are we looking at for pest control? So I, I have a monthly service. It's 40 bucks a month and it's the typical, you know, spray for bugs. And um, then you have a carp- the carpenter bee service is an, an additional service that I think is every, it's either every three or six. I can't remember, but um, they are killer too. Yeah, they are. Yeah, if you actually have a true wood cabin, it they will destroy your cabin um, and very quickly. So um, it's definitely worth it. I, it. It may be every three months, but um, that I think is like ninety bucks every three months or every six months. So um, again, it's not uh, it's not going to break the bank, but it's definitely something that you have to stay on top of and um, have there. As far as other pests or rodents, you know, it's just like anywhere else you. Um, you, you may have some, some mice every once in a while, you know, and like at the, at the beach, you have these cockroaches that look like they're, uh, and they fly, they're like (laughs) the size of mice. And so, um, there's not a, there's not a lot of that. Um, you do, this is kind of in that lane, but you do need to have some kind of secure trash can for bear proof trash cans. Um, I haven't had any issues. A lot of people have had those issues, but I, I haven't had those issues, but, um, I, it definitely is a, a threat or a problem, um, that you can't do anything about that with pest control, but it's, it's a piece of that trash can is twice the cost of an, another trash can. So, um, you're always going to get surprised with 200 here and 150 there, but, um, it, it's nothing that is a big deal. They, they show up once a month, they bill me quarterly. So I just get charged on my credit card, 120 bucks every three months. And that's it. Yeah. I've never had any issues. Yeah. Average pest control up here is, you know, depending on the size of your house and stuff, it's anywhere from between 400 and 950 a year. So, and then a yeah, good point on the bear one. And yeah, we'll probably go over that in a little bit greater detail in another podcast, but uh, that is definitely a thing up here, especially on my side over here. Bears are all over the place. And, um, you know, I've seen lately a lot of people putting up carpenter bee traps too. So it's like a trap that the carpenter bee goes in and then it gets stuck at the bottom. But those little things will destroy your house like really quick. And they look like bumblebees. So it's hard to tell. 
Mm-hmm. They can't sting you though. That's a good thing. They don't have a stinger. Yeah. Oh, dude. We were at this little country buffet place in like out in rural South Alabama. We were looking for a little like farm to kind of get away to in the summertime from here. And there we were outside and it was all like old people. And Max, my four-year-old was standing there uh, just kind of minding her business. We were outside on the porch and this old lady walked by and there was a carpenter bee buzzing around. And she told Max, she was like, Oh, you need to watch out. That bee's going to sting you. And Max is like, we got to work on not correcting elders. And she was like, actually, they won't. <laughs> and the lady was like, yes, they will. Bees will sting you. And she was like, that's a carpenter bee and they don't sting. And I'm like, all right, get out of here. Like, just say yes, ma'am, to her and stop. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, they look so similar to bumblebees, which can sting you. But, uh, you know, they're really docile. Those are. Yeah. All right. So. While we're talking about, you know, pest control and stuff, let's let's hit on maintenance. So what, Brad, do you budget for your maintenance monthly on these things? Well, I I have mostly new construction, so mine's probably less than the average um, if you're buying an older cabin. But I, I've typically budgeted 100 to 150 bucks a month, so like 1500 a year. You know, some of that is um, trimming uh, bushes and keeping, you know, we, we have a lot of weeds and things that grow in the spring and summertime around the house. So I like to keep it clean and keep it really clean cut. So, um, I have it sprayed twice a year at the beginning, like about this time, they're actually doing it this upcoming week. And then, um, about halfway through the summer to keep all the weeds around the fire pit and all the things outside, um, just to keep it presentable and looking good. So, um, that's more of mine's more of a presentation for maintenance because I'm new construction usually. Um, but, I would say that it's not uh, anything that is um, going to be detrimental to your cash flow for maintenance. Um, even on the older cabins, things just don't cost a lot in the southeast. So, um, you know, even HVAC maintenance and things like that, you it, it's you know a couple hundred bucks at a time. So you're you're typically not having large expenses. I well, another thing about buying new construction, another reason why I lean towards it because you typically have a builder's warranty for 12 months after you purchase. So um, if there are those things that are not related to people just wearing the cabin down or breaking things, then they're going to get fixed in the first 12 months. So um, I I have a, a rule that nine months into the purchase, if it was a brand new construction that we go through and like almost do a home inspection again um, and look at it with a fine tooth comb and see if there's anything that's missing or messed up or could potentially mess up really soon. Um, so I would encourage everyone else to do that too. If you're buying new construction, just go ahead and do that right before the warranty runs out and in a reasonable amount of time to give them time to fix it before the 12 months. Don't do it at 11 months and 28 days, you know, and be a jerk. But, um, if you'll do it nine or 10 months in that, usually the builder will work with you and fix stuff. Yeah. That's one thing I always stress up here. Don't do it last minute. Get on the radar as soon as you can, because you want to meet deadlines. So don't, don't last, don't last minute up here. That's right. Yeah. It will not go well. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> so what are we looking at for insurance in this market? I would imagine it's pretty affordable compared to like a beach market. So uh, Brad, do you know what you're paying in insurance a month? Yeah. A um, yeah. It actually hit my Amex this morning. Actually, I was looking at something. So it, it's 140 bucks a month, 100, 144. So for two uh, bed. Yeah. 1600 okay. a year. That's uh, about about right. 
I add in a, an umbrella policy on top of that, you know, an extra million dollars of liability on top of that. So I, it's probably the actual policy is probably like 110 or 120 bucks a month. So 1300, 1400. Um, you don't have to have any flood or anything else that's, you know, weird or uh, extra expense. So it's just a homeowner's policy that is designed for short-term rental. I, I use, in North Carolina, I use State Farm. Um, they're normally not a great short-term rental uh, company, but um, in the Southeast, in Tennessee, Georgia, North Carolina, and Alabama, they're actually really good. Um, so if you own in the Southeast, um, their rates in the Southeast are really competitive. They're actually better than anybody else that I've looked at. So Awesome. So you're using them for your umbrella. Who are you using for your STR insurance? Uh, the, I have State Farm for all of it. They have, oh, they, all have of it. they have STR. Yeah, they have STR um, policies now. They oh. they used to not allow you to do that with your if you're self managing. They used to exclude that, but now I think they realized that they were missing a massive piece of the pie. So um, they changed that about two years ago. So you can you used to have to have a professionally managed a, a management company doing it to qualify with State Farm, and you don't anymore. And you get your so like I have my primary stuff is with State Farm too. So that my multi policy discount extends to my STR. That's free. smart. That's um, awesome. You, up here, if you do have a place in a floodplain, they do require you to have flood insurance up here. Just FYI, but you Are have to be in a floodplain. We have floodplains up here. We do, oh. but they're because we have rivers and stuff. Yeah, like yeah big rivers. Yeah. Um, I mean, like two or three years ago, we had a huge rain that came in and just destroyed a bunch of stuff in Canton. I mean, you know, at the time, Canton was still stinky, so it really didn't matter. But uh, you know, for us as short-term rental investors, but uh, there's a lot of problems that it caused, and and over time, they've kind of built it up to where it's it can withstand these floods. But there are certainly you know low areas if you're in like a valley and there's a river nearby, there are floodplains up here. They're just not all over the place. Good to know. So let's move on to taxes. So property taxes, what are we looking at? Um, go ahead, Brad. That's <laughs> <laughs> about point point six percent is is kind of average on property tax. Point six uh, purchase or assessed value. Anyway, is that about right for what you're paying yeah. over there, Brad? Yeah, it's it's about a half a percent, half of one percent. So yeah. um, they. Uh, the property taxes are really inexpensive. They obviously make their money on the hotel and other tax. So, um, and that, that too is also reasonable because it's not a huge market yet. So, um, I'm sure that will creep up over time, but right now that's about, I think it's six or 6.25%, um, which is also reasonable. So, and the assessed value in a market like this is typically quite a bit less than what the actual purchase price is, right? Yeah. Yes. And they just assessed recently. And typically I haven't seen them assess every year. It's every few years is when they assess. I mean, it can, you know, I guess I'm, you know, I see them doing it again, just because, you know, coming out of COVID and stuff like that, you know, obviously things have changed quite dramatically, but we just assessed like a year or so ago. So. Okay. I find it's usually like 60 to 70% of the sales price is what the assessed value will be normally. All right. Yeah. I paid 289 and my assessed value was like 170, I think, or 175, something like that. So that means my property taxes are like 800 bucks. Yeah. Property tax up here. Is, I mean, even if you have a giant house, I mean, it, it's yeah. very reasonable. Like it's definitely not the highest in the country. So yeah. <laughs> 
For sure. So what are we looking at for the taxes that we have to pay on our booking? So like the state sales tax and the occupancy tax. You got uh, your occupancy tax up here and it looks consistently across the board is about 4%. Um, you know, your local taxes can be anywhere from two to 2.75%. Um, what are you kind of seeing on yours, Brad? Yeah, it's, uh, I looked at it this morning to prep for this and it's, uh, it's just over 6%, it's like 6.25. So that's about the same as you, Jay. Um, and the regulation is yeah. very minimal in Murphy. I mean, very, very minimal. Uh, Right. I, it's hardly anything. So um, we had to just notify them that we have a cabin that's being used for STR and that was it. I mean, no inspections or like safety inspections or anything like that. No, none mm-hmm. of that. No um, business licenses up here. I mean, nope. you buy you buy and list. That's pretty much how yep. you do it up here. And if you mm-hmm. use Airbnb and Verbo, like they do most of the tax yep. stuff for you. So, you know, yeah, there's if you- nothing outside of what Airbnb does that I have to do in this mm-hmm. market, there's nothing else. Super if, easy. If you did it without Airbnb or Verbo or platform like that, you would then have to register at the tax office to do it yourself. But uh, you know, like I said, since they do it, you don't have to. You don't have to do anything. So it's great state for regulations because we don't have any really. Yep, it's awesome. Awesome. And was, and did we did we hit occupancy tax? How much is that? Four percent. Four percent. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh, what else, anything else? So we've gone over insurance taxes, like the utilities of the house maintenance, anything else that might be a common expense that we haven't hit? Oh, maybe propane for fireplaces. Yeah. Propane, propane. There's, it's very common up here. Sometimes you'll still see stuff on kerosene. I know one of my properties actually still has a kerosene heating system and I have a tank for that, but you know, I have to go down the road, fill up tanks and bring them back up and fill it up, which is not practical, but uh your your average cost of propane up here and that's the most of like you know your fire logs and your uh you know your outside heating or your uh, fire pit you know your electric or propane fire pits that they're going to use a propane tank that's on on the the property there and you you'll either rent that tank or you have your own that they just come and drop propane for you so Propane is actually coming down quite a bit. It is about $3.30 a gallon right now. And, you know, we're down from $3.50 this time last year. So it it's not coming down like crazy quick, but it is steadily coming down as, you know, which is nice. And, um, you know, about five gallons for, uh, you know, three, three, you know, 3,000 square foot house, you know, so. Okay. Yeah. Not too bad. Uh, any other expenses that we might have missed that are pretty common? Something that I oh yeah, landscaping is one. Um, one uh, it's not significant for me on landscaping, but one thing that I have chosen to provide that I, I wrestled with for a while is firewood for the fire pit. Oh, um, yeah. usually in these rural markets, there's a local that um, that's their business model, and that's what he does every day, and they will gladly bring it to your place and stack it for you. Um, sometimes it's by the truckload. Sometimes it's, um, you know, they, they put you on an auto refill, kind of like the propane, you know, they'll just come by mm-hmm. once every few, few weeks. And I, I was super nervous about providing it at first. Cause I think I thought people would abuse it and just, you know, uh, it would be ridiculous, a ridiculous expense, but, um, I've come to find out that it's truly worth it. Cause I get asked that all the time. And I feel like I probably get bookings. I, I have more than 
paid for a few deliveries of firewood by having two extra bookings a month um, than by not providing it. So when I can say yes to that question, people almost always book instantly. So um, it's a 40 to 60 bucks every 30 ish days. You know, it's not um, anything that's super expensive, but um, you'll more in every one of these small towns in the Southeast, you'll find a local firewood guy that is, I, I mine is oh, actually, he's on my street actually. So I mean, he literally could bring it with a, a wheelbarrow or a, or a side-by-side and bring it to my cabin. Yeah. Um, so, and he, he also is a set of eyes on my cabin too, which is another benefit, um, which is nice. But, um, I, I think it's worth providing that even though it is an extra expense you might could easily say mm, sorry you can find your own it seems to be worth it to me yeah i agree with that and, and up here just i don't think there's been a short-term rental i've seen yet without a fire pit so it is a very popular yeah. thing and something and you do have the option of doing a propane fire pit you know it just depends on where you located at but that's absolutely correct um firewood is is not, and you always have somebody like down on the corner you know yeah. you know they're selling produce and fire you know firewood so, that's right <laughs> yep um but yeah landscaping was another one avery um right okay let's talk about that average i don't really have a figure on this because it depends on how big you how big it is you know what all stuff you want done to it um you know typical lot size up here is about an acre um you know we don't have a lot of cookie cutter neighborhoods so sometimes you're weed eating on the side of a really steep incline you know and and um it really there's a lot of factors that go into that and um landscaping though in the summer things grow like crazy here so once the spring gets here everything grows so we're very humid very very fertile land up here so you're gonna you're gonna need to do put some aside for that landscaping so most of mine are in a more uh you know okay in the middle of trees and forest setting so i don't have any manicured grass or anything like that but what i mentioned earlier in the preventing the weeds growing up through that that that's my landscaping so that has to be done typically two to three times a year um and clean it out and spray it with roundup or whatever it is that they spray on it um that that's usually about all i have as far as landscape sometimes i have to redo the pine straw or the gravel in the driveway but that's that's pretty rare you know it's a every other year type thing um not a not every couple of months yeah, and that is definitely an expense because there's a lot of places up here that are gravel roads, you know, and it's it's about um, seven hundred bucks a truckload to bring it. Yeah, it's like it's a 40, 40, 50 dollars yeah. a ton. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and yep. it, it's not horrible, but uh, it, yeah. you don't def- definitely don't have to do it like all the time. But it depends on how deep you go and how you know whatnot. One ton will cover up to about eighty to a hundred square feet. So. Uh, pea gravel anyway i always recommend putting that big gravel down first and just rolling over it until you smash it all down and then coming back over that with pea gravel it'll save you a lot of uh, gravel in the long run yeah. good to know i didn't know that uh all right anything else because the i've said do we have anything else twice and we keep coming up with more stuff <laughs> I've got one more i've got one more um, okay and this this is just a recommendation of mine because we are humid up here uh it plays havoc on wood um you'll see a lot of checking on log cabins don't let that alarm you it happens up here it's just a thing you know you can't get away from it if it becomes too severe you know you throw some resin or something in it to like offset that but you you it might behoove you to you know stay in your cabin 
having every few years or something. And, you know, right now stain is about 50 to $110 a gallon. And, um, you know, the labor is about a dollar thirty per square foot to have that done. So you know, on a two thousand square foot house, you're probably looking at about twenty six hundred dollars to get your entire cabin stained and winterized and everything. And um, it's just always a good idea if you're in a true log cabin or even you know faux log cabin. Um, you know, keep that wood nice because it will rot and fall off, and it's a lot cheaper to you know, maintain it rather than having to replace it, you know, and if it's a true log cabin, you're, you know, that's, that can be ugly if a, if a beam or something rots and, you know, it supports the house. So one other expense that I have that I, I do voluntarily, but it needs to be done is pressure washing decks and yes, um, yes. Around, around like the outdoor grill. And it just gets nasty after I do that once a year, typically about this time of year. Um, and also in the fall, having leaves cleaned out of gutters, you have trees around you typically on cabins and leaves fall like crazy because it's not all pine trees around you. So um, you typically have to have driveways blown off and um, also have the gutters cleaned out. So that's, again, not a not a year round thing, but um, I would say from uh october middle of october until the middle of december that's an expense you know for those 60 days you every two weeks or so you need to have somebody come clean or have your hand usually your hand my handyman will do it i just he just bills me a flat charge usually 100 to 200 bucks per time so yeah. it's definitely there yeah and that, that if you don't do it you'll regret it kind of like what yeah. jay was saying about the staining if you, you can get away with not doing it but you will you will eventually regret it. yeah if you don't clean off the driveway, the leaves will freeze and somebody will slide down the driveway. And if you don't clean off the roof, it's going to eventually cave in the roof. And it, and it just looks terrible, too. So it's more a presentation. It's a, it's as much presentation as it is maintenance. But and the yeah, I've had people slide down my driveway in the leaves just from it being wet, like not even frozen. Yeah. So you do yep. have to keep that blown off yeah. for sure. Yeah, that for was sure. my segue from like the staining too. You, yeah, you don't want to have debris and stuff on your deck because we do get snow up here and you don't want that snow to be on top of all that stuff. You're just going to because decks have shelf lives up here. They really do before they need maintenance. I mean, typically a deck only has like a nine year lifespan until you need to maintain it. But yeah, the more that you can do like, like a weathering or something that repels water on your deck, you know, come and, you know, put that sealant on your deck is always a good idea. Take care of it. Um, and then the roof, you can't avoid this up here. We you're going to have moss on your roof. It's just, it happens. Um, and eventually that'll eat through your shingles, cause holes. So you kind of want to go up there, you know, maybe once a year or right after the, you know, the, the summer months and just kind of scrape all that stuff off there, you know, or just look at it case by case, but you, you want to keep that roof clean of debris. It's just going to last longer. Um, well, you know, also commonly now we're starting to see a lot of metal roofs too, but you know, I'm talking about shingle roofs. I don't think moss on a metal roof is really going to hurt it all that bad, but you know, like it would a shingle roof. So just keep that in mind. Yeah. I don't know. Will moss grow on a, on a, metal roof um it could uh you know i don't see why not moss yeah, not grows a, everywhere up here <laughs> not a moss specialist but regardless take care of your roof and, and moss is good if you can get your lawn to be just moss you don't have to cut it ever it doesn't grow it's soft on your feet you know or clover or something so those are very popular lawns up here too rather than grass so, <laughs> good to a lot know. less maintenance too so all right uh anything else so we've gone over landscaping taking care of the exterior 
insurance, utilities, anything else we're missing? Nothing I can think of right now, but I probably might think of something when we leave. <laughs> That's fine. We can add something in later if we need to before it airs. It's like going to the um, grocery store. <laughs> All right. Well, cool guys. Thank you so much for coming on. And y'all, if you want to buy a property with Jay and go axe throwing in Western North Carolina, email agents at the shorttermshop.com. We'll get you connected. Or if you guys just have more questions every Thursday, we have what we call an open office hours and you can sign up for that at strquestions.com. Thanks everyone.